Welcome to the Advisor Inner Circle Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gordon. I'm here with my co-host, John Curry. Hey, John, welcome back. Great to see you again. Good to see you, Steve. Well, uh, we left off in the last episode. Uh, we, last episode, we talked about charging fees. Um, one of the ways that you use fees is to pay your overhead so that you can have a team of people that serve your clients. And so today we're going to talk about building a team, why you should have a team, how to approach that at different stages of, of growing your practice and, uh, and, and maybe all things team related, or at least all things that we can fit in the next 30 minutes or so. Right. So I, I think the place to start here is with the language of it. We don't call them employees. You and I, not, neither one of us say we have employees and we don't say we have staff. Right. We both intentionally use the word team. Talk about that. Well, they are a team. And I talk about the importance of having players on a team. I played football in high school. So at a young age, I learned the importance of team, teamwork, teammates. So each of us, Coach Helms, would grab you by the face mask and pull you in and say, give me your best, give me your best. So we learned the importance of you know, playing your role on the team. I was a, a tackle, left tackle on defense and offense, played both ways. So I had to do my job, and if I did not do my job, then I let my teammates down, and we didn't perform well. So it stuck with me, and then, go, of course, going in the military, it really stuck with me because we worked a five-person cruise when I was a mechanic on the B-52 bombers. Uh, we had a checklist for pre-flight and post-flight. Back in those days, no computers, so we used laminated uh, paper, paper with a laminate on it, and we would check it off with a grease pencil. So part of a team. So it just made sense to me to have a team. So my team early on, and when we're getting into how to build a team, we'll talk, go back in time. But for some people listening, they don't have a team. It's just them. They are the team. So we'll talk about why you want to get people on your team and how quickly uh, in a few minutes. But th they're teammates. They're teammates. And, you know, Walt Disney, I'm a big fan of Disney. I read everything I get on him. He never called his employees employees. What do you call them? Cast members. Cast members. Because you're putting on a show. So cast members are a member of the cast. So so that, that that's, that's my thinking. Share with us uh, your thinking. Well, I, I agree with all of that completely. I, I Similar experience. I grew up playing sports. Um, just kind of had that that mindset. Um, and, uh, while there, there always is a leader, um, I, the, the thought of employee to me is it, it creates this subordinate feeling and, and, and that goes counter to what I want my team members to do. I want them to take responsibility. I don't want them to feel as though they are subordinate and waiting for me to take action and responsibility it's their responsibility to take action because we're all on a team and we have different roles. I think you, you know, your, your football analogy is, is, is a very useful one in this. Everybody is just as important on that field. You have 11 people out there. They don't just send the quarterback out by himself. If he was the most important one and the only one you needed, then we we'd have real small football teams, right? But right. eat all 11 and they have different roles. And if, if one or two on that team aren't performing well, the whole team suffers. 
Well, let's tie that into kickboxing. So when I was in Thailand in the Air Force in 73 and 74, I did kickboxing. You know, we can question my sanity for doing that. <laughs> but even though I was in the ring by myself with my opponent and just a referee in there, I had a team that supported me. I had people in the corner, my corner men, as team. And I didn't think of it back then. I was just trying not to get my ass kicked in the ring, you know, <laughs> or get knocked out and kicked and hit. <clears throat> so... So, but it, it, when you think about it, I had a team. You know, I had my all John, a master we called him, uh, called the master all John. And he had people that were, he didn't crawl in the ring and wash my face. We had the corner people who did that. So that's a team. Uh, pick whatever, everything you, you've all, everyone has been part of a team. And what I teach people on my team and clients too, look, if you drop the ball, be like the receiver. Pat yourself on the chest. Hey, quarterback, on me. I dropped it. Let me tell you, see Tom Brady. If he threw a bad pass, he'll, you'll see him pat himself on the chest. What he's saying is, hey, buddy, that's on me. My fault. Just suck it up and admit you're going to make a mistake. You're going to, you're going to, and just admit it. And I tell my team, the only shame or problem in you making a mistake is if you hide it from me. Don't hide it from me. Get your butt in there and tell me quickly what happened and tell me what you have done or will be doing to fix the problem. You hide it from me, I'll probably fire your ass. Tell the truth, I'll say, great, what did you learn from it? Let's move on. But that gets into managing teams. I don't know if you want to get into that today or not, but we'll we'll, we'll see where we get. There's a great story from, from uh, J.C. Penney about, uh, about that that we maybe can get to. Oh, yeah, I got a bunch of them. <laughs> <laughs> so the other piece of, of language that I think is important is um, the, the contrast between the word cost and the word investment. And, I, you know, I've always looked at my team as an investment, but it's funny, I, I was driving home from our breakfast this morning, or driving back to the office from, the bre- from breakfast this morning, and I was listening to, to uh, Dan Sullivan on the, uh, the Joy of Procrastination podcast. and you know, he was talking about his approach to a team and contrasting these two words. And I thought he did it really well. Um, he said, we've, you know, in strategic coach, he's never had the concept of his team members being a cost. The cost has this really negative connotation to it. Costs are, are things to be eliminated and minimized. Mm-hmm. And if you approach, if you approach, if you use that language around it, your posture around it, your attitude around it at all is always going to be, I need to eliminate those costs. In other words, I need to eliminate those people if and when I can, which doesn't help those people go out and serve the, the clients that you're trying to serve. But in the way he was describing it is he, he always has viewed hiring and building his team as an investment in himself, not an investment in the company an investment in himself. And I was, as I was listening to that, I thought, well, this is perfect because we'd already decided we were going to talk about this topic today. I think that's the perfect view of this. Every time you invest in a team member, you're actually investing in your, your capabilities as an individual, as a business owner. Um, you're investing in your ability to free your time to do higher level tasks that you're better at and that you enjoy more. And uh, I think that's a just a wonderful way to frame that in your mind as you begin to think about this. 
I love it. You know, I talk about managing team all the time. It's the, the team of people, but it's also team meaning my time, my energy, my attitude, and my money. So think about this for a minute. I have people around me as we get into who the players are, we'll go deeper. You know, Sullivan talks about developing your unique abilities and have people around you who support your unique ability. Um, I've done a pretty good job of that over the years. I'm striving to get even better. But if I have the right teammates around me, they're going to save me time. They're going to save me energy, right? That, that protects my attitude and they'll make me money. Now, at the same time, I believe that the proper way to hire someone is to make sure that I let them know. I, I told Jay this this morning. I said, you know, thank you for doing what you did for me. I appreciate that. Everything's ready to go. You know, that's why you're here because I'm paying you for your time, your energy, and your talent. Your time, your energy, and your talent. And I think we need to let people know that. I'm investing in you because you're an asset. If they think about this, if I come to work every day and you make me feel like I'm a cost, that's a negative. Why would I want to keep coming to work? What prompted this? He made a comment about, I said, how are you doing? He said, I'm doing great. It's Friday. And I said, you rarely say that. And I'm glad because we had one person who worked in the firm. Every day was closer to weekend, closer to weekend. And we were chatting about it. And as, as we're getting set up for this, I said, you know, I, I couldn't work with a person like that. I would either have to coach them up or coach them out. Because you're not going to sit around me making it sound like that every day you can't stand coming to work. If you do, I'm going to help you find something else that you are happy about going to. A good coach will do that. A good coach is going to say, look, you seem to be unhappy here. How can I make you happier? How, what can I do to help you? Well, nothing. I hate you and hate the job. Well, hell, don't stay where you hate me. Uh, let's get you out of here. What's the best way to do it? And the people you have around you, nurture them, coach them up, and help them grow. And that will be the investment. I learned that early on in my career. When I, my first staff person, by the way, was a part-time high school student. And I got criticized by all the management and the agency time. You don't need a, you don't need a, that person. You've got, you got the agency staff over. Well, well they're not going to make do filing for me. They're not going to make phone calls. They're not going to organize the stuff that I need done. So I learned at a very young age, Steve. Again, it goes back to what I learned in the military, especially. In the military, um, you, you're not working on a, a B-52 bomber with eight crew members' lives in your hands by yourself. Somebody's going to be checking and cross-checking and triple-checking everything that happens because if the plane goes down, eight people die. Now, that's not quite as severe as it is now, you know, the work we're doing now, but I just realized something. I know you can see me over my head, over that door. That picture up there is a picture of a KC-135 fueling a B-52 bomber. And it's always there to remind me of the importance of what we do. In addition to on the other wall, my Air Force Commendation Medal and citations and all that. You know, there are a lot of way, a lot of directions we can go with this. And I, let, let's start it like this. So some of the best advice I ever got. Uh, I think last episode we mentioned our, our, our mutual friend, David Loveless, uh, who, who was a, a mentor of mine. And um, David, uh, most people will know, never have heard of him, but David's claim to fame is he was the CEO of Boston Whaler Boat Company for quite a long time. Actually was responsible for turning them around at, at one point. Um, and um, 
you know, and, and one of the things he told me uh, as I was starting this business, and he, my, my first company, we had three different offices and I had gotten to the point where I had an assistant in two of the three offices because those were the two that I spent most time in. And people were, you know, always wondered, why do you have two assistants? Well, because I, I, I needed help when I got to where I was going to be productive. And when I started this business, of course, I, you know, like you start any business, there's not always a lot of money around and there's not always a lot of revenue right at the beginning. But the best advice he ever gave me was, you know, as soon as you're making a little bit of money, cut your pay in half and go hire help. And specifically go hire an assistant. Mm -hmm. Very first hire in any business. And I think that's really applicable to, to, uh, advisors because you start off this on your this, in this business on your own and the the faster you can get that one person whether like john like you got a part-time person uh, you know working in high school that was probably a pretty inexpensive hire very inexpensive but if it freed up just a few extra hours for you to prospect or meet with clients i bet that was a tremendous investment Huge investment, and her uh, mother worked in the same building as us. She became a client later, uh, and I made a comment at the water cooler about looking for somebody part time. And she said, "What do you want done?" I told her. She said, "Well, my daughter's looking for a part time job. Would you consider her?" And I said, "How old is she?" She said, "Well, she's a senior in high school." And I was skeptical. Eh, I was going to hire a senior in high school. She said, "Well, yeah, she's going to be here uh, after school. Um, you want to chat?" I said, "Yeah." So they came in, we had a conversation. I said, I got these things, what would you do? She said, well, where do they go? And I told her, she says, well, I would put them in there and get them organized for you. So she just did, she did all the things I didn't want to do with files. And she would get things organized. You know, I did some direct mail back in those days. So she would lick stamps and put them on the envelopes. Yeah. And she only worked so, two hours a day. She woke after school, and uh, then when her mom got off work, they're gone. Well, and you know what we've done in kind of a similar vein. I, I realized as I started this business that there was just a, a an absolute gold mine of talent out there in the form of stay at home moms. These were you know, and I knew them in my network, you know, cause I had kids kind of that age. These were pretty accomplished professional women, very intelligent mm -hmm. and they were <clears throat> underutilized. And, and uh, in a lot of cases they'd be, um, you know, home with kids part of the day, but as their kids got into kindergarten and elementary school and all that, they had a lot more time available and didn't want to go back to work full time. And, and so we've been really successful at putting together a team of, of very accomplished and intelligent people who can now work on their schedule, uh, fits, you know, at the investment level we want to make for those positions, works out really well for everybody. So there, there are those opportunities all around you these days, and, and particularly with technology. And I know, John, in your business, you've got probably a few more hurdles to jump in terms of security and other things. I can very easily, the moment I want to go hire somebody on the other side of the planet if I want and, you know, and it'll be okay. I don't have those, those sorts of restrictions, you know, so we've got a team that's spread all over Southeast U S. Right. Um, and yeah, we can't do uh, that. Yeah. But uh, I don't want to piggyback something though. Something you just said is very important. A lady named Pat Nelson worked with me for about 19 years. 
And she had two children when she first started. So she wanted to take them to school and be home when they got home. So I said, but nobody would hire her. I said, what do you need? She said, I, I need to work these hours so I can be with my children. I said, done. She goes, what? You'll do that? So of course I'll do that. So it worked out well for her. And then later when she wanted to be full-time, she was full-time. But I've done that on one, two, three occasions where, uh, and all three worked for a long time with me because they loved the job. But, um, but you're right. And it's more so today than ever because there are people who would love to work at home or they'd like to come in. But if they have children in school, drop the kids off, come to work for a while, go pick the kids up. But most business owners, uh, I think they're stupid myself, but they don't want a person like that. Wow. If you're helping them do something that they're passionate about and they're motivated, that's an ideal person. Absolutely. Well, you know, Lauren, my assistant, um, she, she was the first person I hired. Um, she fit in, into that, that category. And she's got this great background in event planning and, and worked at a very prestigious uh, venue up in uh, North Carolina at Duke University. Um, had this wealth of experience when she came in. Well, guess what? She took all of that experience and turned it into, you know, really loving on our clients. So I get, I get love letters from clients about Lauren. Like that's the thing that they remember, right? Um, because she gives them that kind of experience. So, and, and she can do stuff that I, I'm not naturally, I'm, you know, you know me, John, I, I can probably be a little prickly sometimes. Um, no, not you. And, because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I want to get results for our clients. And if they're not doing the things that I think are going to get them the results, I'm going to tell them, you know, but, um, you know, so, but what that allowed me to do, and I want to talk a little bit about the idea of unique ability and, and getting focused on the things that, that only you can do in the business, because at the end of the day, you want to be working along this spectrum, right? And when you start out and it's just you, like I think probably everybody starts in financial services, right? And it's just you and you've got to go produce. Well, the quicker you can start moving along that spectrum from having to do everything to having to do only the very few things, maybe just the one thing that only you can do in the business, the better off you are. And, um, you know, and so you started, John, by shedding the filing and the other stuff because it, then it freed you up to do a little bit of, a little bit more of the, only, the thing that only you could do. And little by little, you start working that way. And we've gone through, um, you know, we can go down this route if you want to. We've just gone through where we've built out our team even further um, and, and begun to build out our, our processes and systems behind it. So within the last six months, I've freed up two whole days a week. Mm-hmm. which has been so powerful for the business, like two days a week. That's a chunk of time. Um, but you've got to know where you're going with it. You've got to sit down, I think, and, and define what are, what's the thing that you're best at in the business that no one else can do. And then start making a list of all the other stuff that has to happen and figuring out how to get it done by somebody else. I agree totally. And one of the things that helped me grow to another level, uh, I mean, like a big level, I can go back and look at several times in my career where all of a sudden I would have a massive increase, a 50% increase or a doubling of my business. And every time it's been one of two things, either learning something like getting my COU designation, CHFC, master's degree. Every time I did that, I saw a big jump. Every time I added another person that I had confidence in and they had confidence in me, I saw a big jump. 
uh, what we're working on now, as far as my team goes, is having, for lack of a better term, let's call him a paraplanner. So uh, Jay, we'll talk about him. He's to the point of where he can sit in client meetings. As a matter of fact, this morning while we've been uh, doing podcasts, he's been uh, taking care of uh, two clients uh, who brought checks in. So he met with them and got the money. I made the sale. Recent was just last night. Well, last night, four o'clock yesterday. So she brought a check in this morning. Uh, and then with April Schoen been with me five and a half years. While she went from being an assistant, we knew she wanted at some point to consider being uh, an FR herself, field representative, advisor. So now she's doing that. So she's able to take over client relationships to free up my time. And Jay's can, he's not in sales yet. Maybe never be, but he can take over client relationships. And we added to the mix my friend Ed Bradbury, who I brought into business 22 years ago. He was first a client, now an advisor, and his wife, uh, Debbie. So they're part of the team. And then I have Audie, who's now part-time. She was full-time. She's part-time. Each of them have distinct roles. And what's happening is I, when I get out of the way, more gets done. So I'm actually going places to be out of town. I'll be in Philadelphia three days next week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, where they've got things that they'll be doing while I'm gone. Get out of the way to let them do. Talk about that a little bit. I mean, you and I both have, have made it a habit over the years to literally leave the office so that the team can grow and things can get done. How, how have you used that over the years? Because well, that, that's counterintuitive, I think. It is counterintuitive, and I, I have to give credit to Dan Sullivan for that because I was in his coaching program back in 1994 through 97. Then I left for a while and went back in in 2003. One of the things that hit me like a ton of brick was get away. You need the free days. You need to let your brain relax. You need to get away anyhow. But if you, But when you're gone, don't call and check up on them. And I was always pretty good about that. Uh, since the 80s, uh, don't call and check on them every 10 minutes. Did you do this? Did you do that? Let them, let, see, but it, you have to let them make the mistakes. They've got to grow. And then if you're there constantly to bail them out, how will they grow? So I'm very good. I'm, there'll be days, Steve, where I won't have a conversation with one or the other of them other than in a client meeting. There are days if I have, like uh, now Wednesday, Jay and I had four points. I talked to April once. She's in Jacksonville. We do a lot of stuff online like we're doing here with Zoom or Skype. Um, uh, but my view is I learned from Dan to go hire people that is an investment. I'd already been doing that, but took it to another level. And I learned from one of my mentors, one of my managers years ago. I said, when, I said Sid, when do you no, it's time to hire someone. He said, the minute you start thinking you need someone, hire them. Don't wait until you need them. I, I, I was sharing with you this morning, and I was reminded April on the way in, we're looking for another person now. I, I need some, excuse me, I want someone who will basically be our office administrator so that Jay can do his thing, April do her thing, and we have someone that's managing the, quote, flow of stuff. So I've, I've watched you build this and you and I kind of take the same approach to it. And it's, um, 
and I think it's instructive. You bring people in and, you know, you started out, what, three years ago, you were sort of rebuilding your team four years ago, maybe five years ago, five years ago, five years. It's been that long. Mm -hmm. Um, So you were kind of beginning to rebuild the team. Um, And, um, and so at that point, excuse me, not kind of, I did the people that I had prior to that are all new people in the past five years, right? New faces other than Ed. Yeah, absolutely. And so, um, so April comes in and, and she started out doing kind of administrative stuff for you, right? Mm-hmm. And you, you've just repeated this pattern over and over and over again. You'll bring somebody in and have them perform a role that is needed but is broad-based and probably relatively low level. And they, they get to know the clients. They get to know the processes. They get to know how the business works. They get to understand you. And then you, you look to see, are they willing to invest in themselves and grow and invest in themselves, not just with money, but with time and energy to learn more, to do more, to commit more so that they're more capable and more valuable to you. And then as they do that, you elevate up with them. So you get to elevate up higher because now they're taking more off your plate. They're taking higher level stuff off your plate. They're elevating up. So they have more opportunity and growth and you bring then someone in underneath them. And that's exactly what you're describing doing with Jay. So Jay's been there for a few years. I I can't recall when he started with you, but he's been there for a few years. And you, you mentioned, uh, you know, back in, in May, he had, he had stepped away for a couple of months and, and, then came back in May, and you said he just upped his game. And I actually stepped away for a year. What he did, he worked me part-time, went to his church part-time, and then we did, we decided to come back, and he has raised his game to another level. Yeah, and so because he's now taking on higher-level stuff, freeing you up, creating more value for you, you're able to elevate him in a role and now bring somebody else in to help him, to support him, to assist him. And I – I've done this over the years in both businesses and I just, I've never found an easier way to grow a team. Whenever I've tried to bring somebody in at a higher level, it almost never works because I didn't grow them. I agree with you. And I think it goes back to culture. You'll see a star football player, for example, in the pros who has a problem, leaves that team, goes to another. Sometimes they're successful. Most time they aren't. Pardon me, because they don't match up with the culture. So they're a superstar for a little while, then the other players hate their hate, hates his guts. He has an attitude. But the ones who come in, and to me, the Patriots are the best example. You know, they're not the highest paid players, but they, they got more Super Bowls than anybody else out there. So it's not just about money, it's appreciation and value uh, and allowing them to do what they're good at doing instead of saying, you know, I told you, you have to do this. Uh, one of the things that you learn uh, with strategic coaches, the first year you work there, you're going to do what they ask you to do, what they hired you to do. But they want you to find ways to come and say, hey, I think I can do a better job over here in this area because this is my unique ability. And it's okay for them to come challenge the person who is their supervisor or manager. They encourage that. They want that. Because now you're working in a role that you love and you'll be exceptional at it. 
So their attitude is replace yourself, find somebody to do what you can do, unless everybody goes that ladder together. Absolutely. And it doesn't happen overnight uh, for anybody. It doesn't happen for you as the business owner. It doesn't happen for any of the people that, that are working with you. But this is one of the things that I, I repeat to our team again and again and again is that our, our whole goal is for everybody to understand what their unique ability is. And every quarter, we want to make measurable progress towards getting every person on the team more in their unique ability. Because the more we do that, the more we will grow, the more we'll fulfill our mission, which is in our case to help professionals get more clients and serve the people that they're meant to serve. And, um, and, and so the more we're able to do that, the more we can free you up just to do the things that you love to do, Mr. Team Member or Miss Team Member, everybody wins. And, and you create this, this situation where the growth becomes natural, the team trains the new people that come in, and you've got this culture where nobody wants to leave. And that's, I think, a powerful advantage in the current environment because with all the turnover that happens now, it's just sort of accepted, but it's a huge expense and a drag on your business. Absolutely, especially in our business because you're having to start all over again. To teach someone, this is not an easy learning curve. But I think there's two things that are most important to, to having good people. Once you get those people, it's not just money. Everybody needs to make a money. They need to make a fair income or they can't pay their bills. But more importantly, for most people, it's time off to be with their family. You know, so it's not just pay. Sometimes it's okay, you know, take this day off, do this, do that. And, and just show appreciation. But I think also something you learn is how to encourage people to take time off. Uh, go nurture yourself. Go be with your family. Because uh, if they wear themselves out, what good are they to themselves or to you? If they burn out. You know? Absolutely. Well, John, I know we're about out of time here. I want to encourage everybody that's listening. It, there, there's a lot to unpack around building a team, managing a team. Um, we will come back to this topic for sure in the future. So I, I'd love for you to just uh, stop for a moment and drop us an email. So if you'll, you'll email it to podcast at advisorinnercircle.com and uh, that'll come to us. Send us your question. What, uh, what around building a team uh, do you have a question about? And really in my mind, John, this is, it's almost a fundamental selling and marketing strategy is to build a team because it frees you up to do the marketing and selling you do to grow the business. Well, let me ask you a question. What's the purpose of having a business? Serve people and make money, create value. So let's forget serving people for just a minute. Let's be real greedy. Okay. If you're greedy, you're going to not make the money, but let's just pretend for a minute you, you don't even care about your customers. So if you're in business to make money, the purpose of a business is to make a profit. That's why you're in business. Well, do you want to work 24 hours a day to make that money? Do you want to have to run from one person to another and neglect people because you don't have time to get to them? You don't have time to follow up on the illustration you promised. You don't have time to do this or that. You're so busy you forget to go to the kids' baseball game or Girl Scout meeting or Boy Scout meeting. So from a selfish standpoint, it makes sense. I, 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 re, I just, just popped me up. I remember a guy, his name's Bob, who criticized me back in the 80s. He says, you don't need two assistants. Why do you have two assistants? 
I said, because they free up my time. He said, you'd make more money for yourself if you only had one. I said, you're right. But if one of them gets sick, then I'm good to myself. So I've always had two people since 1982. Uh, 82, I've always had two assistants, at least one full-time, one part-time. Most time, two, full-time. I always will. Because if you if you need to be off with your kids because your kids are sick, I don't want my business to be sick. You know what I'm saying? So think in terms of your invest. When you hire someone, you're investing not only in a, another person and their family. You're creating an economic opportunity for them. You're also creating more time, energy, a better attitude, and more money for yourself if you choose to do it. So it's leverage. It's leverage in a positive way. And then if you're taking the same attitude with your clientele and protecting them and taking care of them, now it's the same thing. We'll get into referrals in another conversation. We're going to talk about how to use the same philosophy to get people to want to, to brag about you and send business your way. <clears throat> Absolutely. Well, John, uh, we could go in all kinds of directions with this. Let's make sure we circle back around. I think it'd be useful to talk about management as we go down the road and probably a little bit about compensation philosophies um, as we go down the road. And hiring. How do you go about hiring someone? Yeah, absolutely. How do you, how do you recruit, hire, train? I, I agree. All that would be important. And I don't care where you are in your career, guys. Like, I've been doing this for a long time. I'm pretty good at what I do. I would, I would, I would be cockiness. I'm, I'm the tippy-tippy top in the industry of what we do. And uh, I'm constantly working on how to learn and grow. And uh, Steve, you've helped me a lot with that. And I'm grateful for that. And I appreciate your friendship and uh, being a mentor. Absolutely. Well, folks, that's the end of another episode. Uh, do me a favor and do John a favor, if you would. If you enjoyed this, if you got something out of it, share it with an advisor that you care about and uh, get them plugged into the podcast. Uh, we'd love to have them as a part of the audience. And we're grateful that you're here. John. My friend, great to see you. See you next time. Good to see you, Steve. Be good. Bye, everybody.